Jason Lee, and today I'm joined by Brittany Johnson. She is a news anchor and reporter for ABC4 Utah. And on this episode of the Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason, we're also going to be speaking with James Jackson III. He's a founder of the Utah Black Chamber of Commerce. And we're going to talk a little bit about a number of subjects, but one of them is how, particularly in Utah, people can support black businesses in this time of upheaval when we talk about coronavirus and uh, COVID-19 and how many people are uh, unemployed. I do a lot of work uh, covering business uh, in our community. And this is, this is one of the tougher times we've had on a number of levels. And one of them is uh, in the business uh, realm. So James, thank you very much. And Brittany, thank you for joining us. Hey, thanks thank for you. having me. So let's start off, James. Uh, tell me a little bit about uh, the Utah Black Chamber and, and how you came to uh, put it together. You know, it's a, it's a weird story, but to in a nutshell, um, I was introduced to Chambers of Commerce because I was in direct sales at the time, just uh, um, pushing out my little part-time work-from-home gig and um, being someone who doesn't like sales, and I had to learn how to sell. I discovered networking events, and networking events led me to Chambers of Commerce, and learning about Chambers of Commerce led me to discover that there was a black Chamber of Commerce and more and more I got involved, the more um, I was excited about it. And um, as the leadership was starting to fail there, um, I, I I wanted to step in. I got passionate about it, and that was back in uh, 2008 or so. And so um, I pretty much stepped in and started leading it from there and learning and growing from it. So I came with no knowledge, no experience, no business background. And I think that's what helped me um, grow it is because, you know, being put in a position to learn by fire and and uh, pivoting to serve in this climate here in Utah where there's not a huge black population and so it allowed me to continue to work to build bridges here and find resources and tools and education for the black businesses here in Utah so we spent a good about five six years developing those relationships and we have a lot of relationships with other city chambers we have a strong relationship with even the Salt Lake Chamber um, government relationships and so we have a pretty solid base of a foundation for a business to come in um, to get the education the resources they need for them to grow here in Utah and then also help them gain a stronger visibility to, for not only for them to be connected to the black community but to the overall Utah community as well so James just to follow up on that why did you feel that this type of organization was needed here in Utah and how have you guys developed over the years from where you started to where you are now? Good question. You know, in the beginning, like I mentioned, I didn't have that much experience. I just knew that black businesses needed help. Um, they, they needed more resources. They needed more education to continue to grow and they needed more visibility with the black community. We're so scattered all over the place. Um, and so it's hard to hard for them to get, get that reach and so we just wanted to be that vehicle for them be that vehicle to connect them to everything that they needed um, here that Utah has to offer for them to grow and thrive and then a few years after that we've been getting approached by bigger corporations saying hey we want to diversify our talent are you able to introduce us to some black professionals and we're like yeah and so now we have these two lanes so and now this overall scope is just about elevating Utah's black community so we can introduce corporations to the two black professionals here in Utah you know because we have one of our biggest nonprofit base is the nonprofit 
memberships. And so nonprofit, out of those nonprofit organizations, most of them um, serve the diverse population. So not only are we introducing them to the black professionals, but pretty much the, ov- the overall diverse community and just build those strong connections there. And so that's kind of how we transition. So we have these two lanes. One, helping big companies find qualified, diverse talent locally, and we continue to try to develop a pipeline of diversity for them to recruit from. Mm -hmm. And then two, continue to build the resources, education, and visibility for the black businesses to continue to grow and thrive. Have you been making these kind of uh, introductions and and hopefully uh, cooperation uh, with with the larger corporations? Have you found that there's been challenges in getting those connections together, or are people more welcoming and trying to find a way to uh, create more diversity and inclusion in their workplaces? Yeah, that's the latter. People do want to find talent. It's not. It's not a matter of them not wanting to. It's a matter of really just really trying to find the the, the pipeline that's here locally. You know, they recruit all over the place nationally because they don't feel like it's here, but it is here, and of course, it's cheaper when they can recruit locally. The basis, though, is you want to be sure that the company has a welcoming environment. Because even if if you just recruit diversity, it doesn't mean you're going to retain it. You know, there's several companies here that have a high attrition rate of diverse talent because they don't have an inclusive environment. And so we can introduce you to great talent all day long, but you have to ensure that your company has an inclusive um, culture. That's not something the chamber does. So, you know, we can introduce you to professionals who teach on diversity. It's one of my side hustles too, but, and to help you uh, build an inclusive environment. So you want to be sure that's in place. Now I can imagine you guys stay busy, but these last few weeks, I would imagine you guys have been even busier. Uh, Can you tell me about what companies have reached out to you for? Have they reached out to you more for how do we be more diverse in our business or how do we teach our people to be allies or how do we support our black people in our business? Yeah, it's uh, it's a combination of everything. <laughs> um, it's been, uh, I think I've had back-to-back meetings since last Monday. So, you know, the weekends I definitely exhale because it's it's been it's been something i'm i'm blessed that i still have a full-time job um checking in be sure they haven't fired me yet but um (laughs) it's it's something um but yeah so people want to know how they can support black businesses where are the black businesses people want to know how they can become a better ally um people what can they do to support so we get all kind of questions and the biggest answer i can really give to them is one listen just just listen. You know, you want to learn how to become a better ally. You want to know how to support. Just just listen. Pay attention to what's going on. Develop a, a level of understanding. Once you develop a level of understanding, you'll be able to learn a little bit more, be able to empathize a bit more. And then when you can lead with your heart, and that's what I've been trying to tell people. Like, you don't just dive into something um, and just try to help out because we want this we want this movement to keep going and keep growing. But in order for it to do that, we have to have people that continue their passion and desire. So, I mean, if you're passionate about graphic design, if you're passionate about marketing, if you're passionate about accounting and you have these abilities and talents to serve the community, that's what we're really looking for. It's like, I have this talent, you know, how can I use this talent within the commu- within the black community, within the black businesses, within the black chamber? And that's what's been most fruitful is having those people come in. And um, thank goodness, because we have so, so much coming at us. And so we have... 
uh, people you know that are now working on some graphic design for us. We have people that are working on a new website for us. We have people working on the back end to really make us be even more resourceful for our black community. We had these projects in place, but we just never had the bandwidth and we're working on the bandwidth and then everybody's eyes came open all at once and so it's like all right we need all of we need like 30 people like right now and so when people say how can i help and that's how that conversation starts and we start just bringing them in left and right that way and so having them help within the nonprofit organizations here having them help within the chamber have them help within the black businesses um you know all over the place and then some people are just want to donate um you know and uh so we've we've gave them options on how to do that as well i mean the chamber we have a foundation we just tell people you know if you don't want to be a member just contribute that way when we come back we'll continue our discussion on uh, minority business but i also want to get into later on in our show just about the issues facing our our country today in, in utah and the rest of the country as well uh, I'm joined today by my uh, guest co-host, Brittany Johnson, news anchor and reporter for ABC4 Utah, and we're speaking with James Jackson III. He's the founder of the Utah Black Chamber. You're listening to Voices of Reason. Welcome back to Voices of Reason. Amy is out today, so on this episode of the Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason, I'm joined by Brittany Johnson. She is a news anchor and reporter with ABC4 Utah. And today we were speaking with James Jackson III. He's founder of the Utah Black Chamber. And uh, James, you kind of gave us some, some background on the chamber and the work you've been doing. And by the way, I, I've known you for a few years, but I, I, you have got to be the hardest working man uh, in Utah <laughs> because you are everywhere I've ever been. And a lot of times you're leading the uh, efforts to do so much in the communities, and uh, you should be committed for that. Thank you. But uh, so you, uh, what, are, what are some of the things that you feel as though people should know about minority business in general, but obviously uh, uh, the Black Chamber and, and what it is that um, is being done to try to grow uh, minority status in the state? Yeah, our overall purpose really, um, so we, we, put a, we put a vision out there in about the fall of 2018 was to just change the landscape of diversity, which means that we wanted to show that Utah is not what people think. Uh, or we have a very, we have a fast-growing, uh, diverse population. Um, we have a lot of uh, people from all over the country coming into coming into Utah, and we 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 feel that it, it's time that people change. You know, we perception of what, of who Utah really is. And so we started so can you repeat that? You, we went on a little bit. Uh, you say you, it, it, we need to find out, uh, change how they think about us? Yeah, really change the perception. When people, when people think about Utah from coming from out of state, you know, a lot of things come to mind. You know, they have this misconception about the LDS faith, you know, because a lot of times they, they, they mix it up with, like, the Amish community. It's like, no, we're, we're a little more <laughs> together than that. Um you know, people think about, you know, how black people will be treated here. They think about the movie Get Out. So we have, we've heard all kind of stuff about the about I don't know Utah. that I've ever heard that one. Oh, I have. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, 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 it's a real thing here. Like, it's, it's hilarious. You know, I've only started hearing that recently. Okay. And so um, we wanted to change that perception. And so when we work, we wanted to find platforms in order to do that. So, you know, we, we, we we're the co-founders of Living Color Utah, which is a, a collective of the six minority 
uh, chambers here in Utah and organizations. Um, and then we leverage the platform, Utah Biggest Business Magazine. Um, we're, we have relationships with like Larry Miller Corporation, trying to, you know, people who have a larger platform to share our voice. Mm-hmm. And then um, to elevate Utah's black businesses, we we knew that we needed to do a whole lot more. You know, so many organizations reach out to us, say, James, do you know of a company that can host a meeting for us? Or James, do you know of this particular resource? And, you know, people try to send us information and wanted to collaborate with us. And it's always a issue trying to find a spot. So what we decided to do is like, you know, it's time. And we wanted to cover all facets of the black issues that we have in Utah, which is wealth you know, growth, jobs, business, and we figure let's create our own, let's start recreating our own ecosystem here. And so we developed this concept called the Black Success Center, and it's going to be the economic development hub of Utah's black community. It's going to be an incubator space, meeting rooms, training rooms, a space where we can just call ours. It's just going to be that hub that people can immediately connect with the black community. And it's interesting. I was speaking with my board member who's starting our Northern Utah chapter, you know, checking in with, our, with my team and seeing how things are going as we're trying to launch Northern Utah here in um, hopefully in less than a month. He's building out this incubator space in his own building. I was like, Ollie, instead of putting out your own money here, let's pilot the Black Success Center concept with what you're doing. And so as a thousand square foot space, they'll do a smaller introduction to gain that visibility of what this Black Success Center is all about. And we have a five-year plan to build a larger facility here in, U- in, in the Salt Lake area. So um, we're in, we have, you, people can go to blacksuccesscenter.com to learn more about it and contribute. Um, we're about, about 75 grand right now to raise to these, you know, towards at least trying to secure a spot um and then we have a team working away on developing the architecture and all the other stuff i'm trying to learn how to do james i want to ask you about purchasing power by diverting your purchasing power to more black-owned businesses and what are you doing in addition to helping strengthen local black economies so with so with the black success center concept one we want to own this space Right. This is a space where a black community is actually going to own, and we want to educate them on. Let's, let's figure out how you can start owning your space, and not just uh, growing your your business, which is awesome. But you know, let's let's go to the McDonald's type, you know, vision where it's it's that background is just that real estate, recreating that wealth, building that, you know, you know, working with other organizations like the National Association of Black Accountants. Isaac is leading the charge. There is you know educating people on financial literacy and then recreating that um, to where we can start building our own little ecosystem and diversifying um, our streams of income and building our wealth and and always creating these multiple um, opportunities to where we can build these bridges for education um, building partnerships with all these other organizations out there like you know um, like I'm a supplier diversity manager at the Zions Bank Corporation so mm-hmm. st- getting them educated and how they can be introduced to opportunities to have big companies like Zions Bank to be a vendor um, to them. And so that's really what it's about. It's like, yeah, we got the individual consumers, which is awesome, but let's, let's try to get them to the bigger consumers where that, that, that uh, income, those products are continually being used all the time. Is that a situation where you are better served by uh, joining in cooperation or in collaboration with other minority uh, chambers? 
Oh, absolutely. Because we all have foundationally, we all are, we're all helping our community do the same thing and we're all sharing the same resources. And so together we can be stronger. So if we're out doing the same thing, this, you know, I'll reach out to, you know, the LGBTQ plus chamber or the Asian chamber and, and, you know, if they're hosting something or we're hosting something and it's pretty similar providing that same type of education, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we'll find ways to see, you know, let's just do it together because that pushes that it gives us a further reach and then it helps build bridges of understanding of each other. You know, we're and then it continues to elevate the visibility of Utah's diversity. Now, this might be digressing a little bit, but I want to ask you about now we're seeing Black people, to me, are becoming a trend. We're seeing all these companies start (laughs) stepping up saying, we love Black people. We support our Mm -hmm. Black workers. Here's our commitment. Now we're celebrating Juneteenth. Now companies are giving Juneteenth as a paid holiday. Uh, I have mixed feelings about this. Just you being in the business area, what do you think about that? Um, now it's just time to hold them accountable and see how long it's going to last. I had a, a conversation with uh, someone last yesterday who received a tip that, you know, this could be only a one-time thing and they're actually, this is just maybe a publicity stunt and perhaps they're even letting go of their of their diverse team, right, internally. Mm-hmm. Like there's, you know, so what we want to do is hold them accountable, hold them to the fire. And to really to do that is... You know, work by working with us, working with other Black influencers in the community, um, really hold them accountable and continue this progress, and really show them the results of supporting the Black community. Because here's the thing, you know, just like Jason, you were saying earlier, it's a heavy time for the Black community mm-hmm. right now. We, it's hard dealing with what we have right now. Um, you know, there's a few, several times over the last few weeks where I just broke down just because right there not you, only bro. just just not only the weight of of just being a black man but the weight of being of having this platform that i have and just using it as much as i can to educate and have the conversation i probably have spoken in total of maybe a thousand people over the last week between companies and organizations and live streams and all that it's been my reach and probably be over a million here soon with the the collaboration i'm doing with the salt lake chamber here um and so it's really really hard and it's important that companies understand how hard it is. And I was training a company yesterday because I'm getting a lot of diversity training requests right now. It's like the most important thing you can do right now is create a forum or a platform to let your black employees to find some release because there's tension, there's frustration, and there's anger to where they can't be them full selves right now until they find that release lease and be comfortable and and they have a welcoming environment coming into the office and if you continue to do that you'll eventually see the fruits and potential of the of the of your black employees because you you created you gave them strength to continue moving and thriving so i'm hoping within this what we're experiencing right now you know people you know companies recognizing juneteenth that they see that by by recognizing us by how stronger we will now become. And so that's why I kind of push out to the companies. This is what I'm pushing out to the black community. Like take advantage of this opportunity to show how strong you are when you are being recognized fully of your full authentic self. Well said, well said. When we come back, we'll continue our discussion about uh, uh, the black community in Utah and how we can 
use this time that, as, as James just described, has is, been kind of challenging to help us grow and become better in the future. You're listening to Voices of Reason. Welcome back to the Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason. Amy Donaldson is out today, so I'm joined by my guest co-host, Brittany Johnson, who is a news anchor and reporter for ABC4 Utah here on television. And we're speaking with James Jackson III, who is the founder of the Utah Black Chamber and a man about town who's been involved in so many things in, in business in Utah. And we're trying to get a sense of how the Utah's business community, particularly the black community, is uh, evolving uh, in our state. But Brittany, you had some uh, things you wanted to chat about this segment. What is it you want to talk about? I want to talk about where we go from here and how we move forward in a positive manner. Um, I've been getting a lot of people reaching out to me. We talked about being an ally. A lot of people are just kind of reaching out saying, what do I do during this time and how can we move forward? How can we support? So I just think here are a couple ways that people can stand against racial inequalities. One being be empathetic right now. Understand your black colleagues were exhausted, not only from racial inequality and violence against the community, but also from processing the disproportionate effects of COVID-19 on our loved ones. I know um, across the nation, black people have been, or in other states, other cities, black people have been more affected by COVID-19. Here in Utah, it's not really that same story. It's more of the Hispanic community, but still be empathetic uh, right now because people are just tired. Be an ally, reach out to, I don't know if your company has a diversity board, a diversity program, um, learn how you can get involved participate in political activities that drive change for the black community because systematic racism is nothing new. So initiatives, legislation have already been written by black people. They just need to be pushed nationally and federally. Um, I just learned about that too uh, from Dr. Richard Ferguson, the medical director for Stewart Medical Health was saying, yes, we already have laws, legislation in place. We just need people to back them. Educate yourself. There are plenty of books, people you can read. Uh, <laughs> there's a list. Maybe, I don't know if we can link it, but just Google. Yeah, all right. just, yeah, just Google some books that you can read. Ask questions. Don't be afraid to step up and ask questions and speak up. Um, I think if you're with a group of non-black people and you hear racist remarks, speak out against what was said. You may be the only one to speak out. It may be uncomfortable, but if you really want to be about the change, don't tell me you want to be about the change that when you get a, with your other group of friends, you don't stand up for me and other people that look like me. Um, another way to speak up is to vote. That goes for black people as well. I'm starting to see on Twitter, people are going to um, city council meetings for the first time. They plan on voting for the first time. Don't just let it be this time. You got to continue to go to the city council meetings. You got to continue to vote. You got to continue to make your voices heard. And as James said, donate. That's where that's uh, all I got. I got you. But in any case, I'm, that, <laughs> being involved in your local community politics, in your local voting, 
uh, in all the community events that literally affect you, that is so important. And I think people, we often uh, notice that when voting happens, it, um, typically it's during uh, presidential election years. But outside of that, people are you know, less likely, less uh, motivated to get out and vote. But the truth is, the things that are going to impact individuals the most in their places are at these school board meetings, at these community councils, at the uh, city councils and county councils. Those are the kinds of things that literally impact your everyday life. And those are probably the things that you should be uh, concerned about the most. James, I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, things that people can do to kind of uh, become more involved and, and a, a greater uh, impetus for change in their community. All I could say is amen on what Brittany <laughs> said. I don't have right. a whole lot much to offer there, but I will say this is that in order for real change to happen, we need to figure out how to come together. Not as just the, you know, um, just overall, our whole entire community, black, white, Hispanic, whatever, we just need to figure out how to come together. We've been so divided for so long, and that's what's really even harder, right? Because I went going back to the like the black employees coming into the office. We don't know who we can talk to. We don't know whose side we're on because now we're after you know, people are choosing sides, right? And so what I'm really telling people at this time, and I'm repeating it over and over again because it's so important, is that people need to listen to understand instead of listening to respond. And so because all we're doing right now is pushing our agenda to someone whose walls is already up because they don't want to hear your agenda, right? And so we're just going back and forth, just back and forth. And until we actually listen to understand, those walls are going to stay up. But as we understand more, those walls start coming down. And when those walls start coming down, when people understand more, we end up finding some more common ground to be able to build a stronger connection. Then we can start building together. That is the most important thing right now to really bring change on top of everything that Brittany said. You know, uh, Amy and I found this, uh, we founded this show. We started it because we noticed that even in our dialogue in our newsroom that uh, she and I would disagree frequently, uh, politically speaking, sometimes. And um, when when you hear other people do it, and there was all of this back and forth, and there's like you said, there's there's not much uh, listening as much as there is trying to convince other people of their, your point of view. And uh, when I was young, you know, my grandmother used to say, "You got two ears and one mouth for a reason. You're supposed to listen twice as much as you're supposed to talk." And more often, if you listen, even if you, it, it's not supposed to change your mind. You gain a better understanding. If we, all of us, and so when I say we, I'm talking to everybody. If we listen to each other, we can gain an understanding. It doesn't necessarily mean you got to uh, move on your position where you are, uh, whatever it is the subject is, but you can get a better understanding of where somebody else is coming from. And so that will inform your opinion. It will inform uh, your mind and the way you move in this, in this life. And hopefully you... We, we, we become, uh, I don't know, what's the word I mean, um, closer, less, less divided, I guess is the best way to say it. I don't even know if it's close. It's less divided uh, and, and less uh, oppositional and, and more empathizing to each other. Yeah, and absolutely. Just to add on to that, just know people aren't going to always agree with what you have to say. It's okay to disagree with people, I feel. Um, that's what makes America, America. We don't have to all have the same opinion. But I need to respect where you come from and you need to respect where I come from. Yeah, I, I agree. Because everybody, if you drove everybody to have the same ideas, we would never grow. 
right? The only thing that really brings change is when we have the disagreements, when people have different ideas and different perspectives. But when we respect each other's perspectives, then that's when we thrive. I even see that within my own black chamber. The chamber didn't grow until I had leadership that came in with their with new ideas and new perspectives. And even though I didn't like what they did, I was like, eh, I got to let it go because, um, you know, I gave, I gave that person that autonomy to lead in that direction. And if I didn't allow that to happen, um, we would stay in the same spot within James Jackson's mindset. But now this is this is a community organization. So by giving that autonomy to the other leaders, I mean, we've become so much bigger than we're than, than where we, I would have gone. And the idea is, as you said, you find out these great ideas other people have that you might not have had, and you can combine them with the, the good ideas you have, and everything becomes better. And that's, that's, that's the lead. When we come back, uh, we're going to uh, close out talking about, uh, as we've all kind of discussed, uh, the heavy things that have been going on and what we hope we can use this moment in our history uh, to become uh, a better uh, country, a better community everywhere, and just uh, just hopefully somehow uh, alleviate some of this stress that's been going on for so many decades. You're listening to Voices of Reason. Hello and welcome back to the Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason. I am Jason Lee. Amy Donaldson's out today, so I'm joined by Brittany Johnson, news anchor and reporter for ABC4 Utah. And today we're speaking with James Jackson III, who is the founder of the Utah Black Chamber. And uh, on, the, on this last segment, I wanted to talk about uh, just kind of what's been happening in, in, in our society, uh, not just locally, but uh, nationally and around the world, as it turns out. This has become a global movement. And uh, maybe it becomes a moment in history that we've all been hoping for for so, so very long. I, I recently, I want to start this off by saying, I recently got an email from... Um, a person I deal with in work uh, as a reporter and she and I haven't I mean other than just kind of work related stuff we don't see each other very often and to be honest with you most of our communication is through email and electronics but she sent me uh, an email uh, voicing her concern about just what's what's been going on in the world and uh, she was basically telling me that uh, you know she was uh, trying to reach out and say hey um, I'm hoping things are going well in fact I'll read it to you it says Basically, it, hope you are well. Just saying hello, stay safe. And then she, the last, the tag out is, any, all, every, one, Black Lives Matter. And I thought to myself, you know, that's um, that's poignant because this is somebody who doesn't know me particularly well, but who is trying to at least express to me that uh, she has some understanding of what I might be going through, and to let me know, even though we're not, you know, particularly close, that. You know, she's thinking of me and, and people like myself and that, that uh, she hopes that uh, things become uh, better in our country for people like myself. And I, um, I feel I've gotten a lot of that uh, over the last couple of weeks. I get a lot of, I, especially when uh, the, the whole George Floyd thing kind of blew up uh, that week. I, I got uh, tons of text messages and calls and stuff like that. I was wondering, uh, have you guys kind of had a similar experience of late? Uh, James, I'll start with you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, ever since... Um, it was actually started like at the beginning of June. I, I, we, my family and I, we were in St. George on vacation the Saturday, you know, that Saturday that the riots all happened, and um, and so when you know on on my way back, and of course it, I just, it, I had to dive head first into you know when the chambers being a reactive state for so long. But 
I did receive the phone calls, emails, text messages, all that. Hey, just checking in, thinking about you. Hope you're all doing okay. You know, take care of yourself. Um, you know, and I really appreciated that. You know, people just saying, you know, just let me know how I can help. And I really didn't know how to respond at first because I'm just really in this reactive state, really trying to um, serve in my capacity where I am. Um, but really, but we really, where it really got me um, was yes, was it yesterday before yesterday? I was at the Salt Lake Chamber office. And I was getting set up for this roundtable discussion, and I was doing something at Salt Lake Chamber later, so I kind of spent half the day in just that office setting stuff up, and they allowed me to do that. And I was getting set up, you know, the CEO walked by, and she just looked at me and says, how you doing? Are you doing okay? Um, you're dealing with a lot of heavy stuff, and I just want to let you know that I'm here for you. And I'm thinking to myself, like, why did you have to say that right before I'm about to moderate? Because I almost just broke down <laughs> right. right then. Um, but it was really powerful, and I really appreciate those kind of sentiments coming in. Um, it really lets me know that I do have a great support base. And then, um, so if I get to that point here, you know, my family's been here for me. You know, my fiance's been an awesome supporter. But, you know, just outside as I go through the community doing this stuff, that there are allies all around who are watching us and making sure that, you know, we're we're okay and then we're, we're taking care of ourselves. Brittany? Uh, um, You've been on I the front lines of this, actually. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, it's covering the protest, um, moderating these panel discussions, trying to move forward in a positive direction. Um, I went on, on one of our, our morning show, Good Things Utah, to talk about you know what it was like being a black journalist covering this, being on the front lines. And I just broke down. I didn't mean to, um, but I couldn't get much of anything out because I just started crying. Because it's just like you guys said, it's a heavy, it's a heavy weight. And so I've been thinking to myself, how is it that people can remain so blind and come to their senses now? Why is it okay now to say black lives matter? Why is it okay now to take a knee and people now understand, oh, that's a peaceful protest. The answer I came up with is that black people were now in style we've become a trend it's okay now now we're seeing police officers take a knee with protesters now we're seeing and i don't want to sound negative here but it's just like i'm kind of lost right now because a couple months ago or when kaepernick took a knee it was a big thing it's about the flag but now people are understanding um now people are posting black boxes on instagram people are posting black fists for some likes um, I mean, if you're doing it, cool to be an ally. If you want to show your support, yes, but we got to keep going. You can't put up a black box and then change the narrative the next day. Or it's got to be, I just want to know where did this switch come from? Kneeling was about the flag to now, okay, we accept that. It's a peaceful protest. So I guess what I'm just trying to say is maybe people need to do be more understanding. People need to have these conversations with us to see how we're feeling right now, to see where we stand on things and not not just make this a trend. I don't know how I'm going to feel if I see a Black Lives Matter t-shirt in H&M next week. Okay, let's, like, hope, let's <laughs> really hope that does not happen. Right. Like, I, I'm just, my All mind right. is boggling. Right. Yeah. yeah, it's just a lot. So I want to I wanna, uh, answer a little bit of that for you. So you know, Jim Crow happened uh, for decades. My, my parents, my dad was born in 35, my mother was born in 42. 
My mother was born in rural Mississippi. My dad's from Gary, Indiana. And so back then, you know, there, there was a lot of this um, in, in, in the South, it was very demarcated segre- segregation. But in the North, it was still kind of the same, uh, but it was just, it, it just wasn't as overt. They didn't have the signs up, even though they still made it clear this is where you had to be and this is what you, these, these are the, uh, the steps you had to take in order to, uh, to make it through life every day. And then one day, as the Civil Rights Movement happened, they showed pictures in Alabama of uh, police using fire hoses and dogs on unarmed uh, protesters, all of whom were black. And that got on television. So before that, people, it's not that they didn't know, but they didn't see it. It wasn't in their faces. Mm-hmm. So when, you, uh, Brittany, when you ask why is this happening now and why did this all become this way? And I, I, I'm not saying that Rodney King shouldn't have done it in the first place, but I will say that uh, George Floyd was just the straw that broke the camel's back. When, when, you, when you saw the, the lack of humanity that happened, it struck this chord in a way that you could not turn your head away from. You, nobody's going to say, that's okay. And at least the, the vast majority of people cannot. There's always going to be somebody. But everybody looks at that and says, that's freaking crazy. And so sometimes there just has to be this moment where people are awakened. You know, I remember when Ray Rice... He was a football player for Baltimore, and his wife, uh, he had uh, assaulted her. I, until, and it, the, the league suspended him. And I remember thinking, uh, I'm wondering why exactly they did that. I, I can see why for a little while, but he was gone indefinitely. I saw that video. I, 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 it opened my eyes in a way that I, I didn't know he had done that. I, I don't know what I thought he did, but when I saw that, my mind changed. And this is that moment. Yeah. And so there's, there's a time when you just have to be able to do that. I'd also like to point out, too, think about the eyes that were on that video at the moment. We're in COVID. And so people are at home. And so the attention was all drawn around there. So honestly, COVID was like the the, the vehicle that brought all this to light because we're at home and everybody's viewing it all at once. We're like, wow, this is why black lives matter. matter. All right, uh, listen, uh, I hate to say this, but we have to uh, stop our conversation. We're going to have more of these conversations coming up. And uh, uh, Amy and I have uh, taken the next few episodes where we're going to speak specifically on issues facing the black community. And uh, Brittany's going to help us go go through some of that. I want to thank James uh, Jackson, the third founder of Utah Black Chamber, for joining us. Always uh, continue the great work you do in our community, James. We're always very grateful. Uh, Join us for the next episode of the Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason. If you have any comments about the show, please contact us via email at voramed at gmail.com or at vorjasonl at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at adonsports and at jasonlee1. Our show's Twitter handle is at vorpodcast. You can check out our Facebook page and you can also find and subscribe to free episodes of our podcast in all the places you find interesting content. Be sure to review our show as well. We love to get your feedback and it helps us grow our audience. Until next time, I'm Jason Lee. When you engage in passionate debate, do your best to keep your dialogue civil. Try to be the voice of reason. Voices of Reason is a production of the Loudmouth Project.